the director of it is uh, Ilya Nyshuler. Uh, no, no, not going to work. Not going to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pulp Fiction. This is the one where we review the indie mystery thriller that's gaining a lot of buzz with critics. It is called The Invitation. Jacob, let's check out the trailer. How this thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. It's kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. Bars on windows and no. Security. Safer. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Well, Jesus. Has it been like this a lot? So agitated? How has he been handling things? He can be self-destructive. I think he's doing the best he can. doesn't feel safe here we don't see you for two years and then all of a sudden we get invited to this lavish dinner don't tell me that this is normal what do you think is happening well this beautiful moment is upon us tonight is the night our faith is made real Thank you, sir. I am Brandon Rabar, joined as always by Jacob Crisip and Rachel Jamison here on Pulp Fiction. And uh, this movie we're doing this week is called The Invitation. It's classified as a horror thriller, which you can make your own, um, you know, I don't know. To me, it's a thriller mystery. It is directed by Karen Kusama. It stars Tom Hardy and Eric Bana. <laughs> they are dead. Re- I was distracted this whole movie because... The main actor looks exactly like uh, Tom Hardy to me. His name is Logan Marshall Green. He was in Prometheus and... uh, That's the only thing I know him. He was in something else. Wasn't he in Devil or something like that? Devil, yeah, in that Shyamalan movie where they're all in the elevator in Brooklyn's Finest. Then you got... um, I'm not... You guys guys want to guess on that name? Ime... Imeati Corianeati? Or in the That's pretty good. We'll go with that. Shushi Ronan. Shushi Ronan. Um, but yeah, uh, plays his love interest. And then we got Michael Hoosman David, who is in Game of Thrones as Khaleesi's uh, new man. And then a bunch of no names. We got Tammy Blanchard, uh, Aiden Lovecamp, Michelle Krusiak, Gina, Mike Doyle, Jordy. Uh, Valesuso, Jay Larson, and really the one most yeah, notable um, person is John Carroll Lynch. Yes, yes. Good call. He's uh, actually the most recognizable to me. Like, you know, when you watch this movie, he's definitely going to be the one that you recognize. And he's a good character actor. 
The synopsis goes like this. While attending a dinner party at his former home, a man thinks his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister intentions for their guests. First impressions overall of this movie. Uh, let's go to Jacob first. What did you think of this movie is getting like, I think it's 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, 76 on Metascore, and uh, 6.8 on IMDb so far. What were your thoughts, Jacob? Well, first off, let's talk about the imitation the movie or how to find it or why, why we're reviewing it because, you know, there's not a whole lot out the theaters right now that we decided we wanted to watch. We, we had, we just talked about hardcore Henry, but we kind of went somewhere different. Yeah. Cool. You know, we, we didn't really want to review hardcore Henry to be honest. And it bombed at the box office after all the hype, you know, there's this trailer has been playing forever. It was getting all this hype. It made $5 million over the weekend. Pretty terrible. Um, and then we didn't want to do the boss cause it looked freaking awful and so we decided on a movie that's gained a lot of buzz um like i said 93 percent on rotten tomatoes and it's you know within uh genre circles it's been talked about a lot over the last few months it played at a lot of festivals and so all this hype and buzz was generating about this movie Nobody really would talk about what exactly it was what the twist was what was going on we just knew it was a dinner party and it was some sort of horror thriller type movie. And so then all the reviews started coming in and critics were gushing about it. And so we wanted to review it just to see kind of what all the hype was about. Yeah, it's currently streaming on demand. I know you can get it on Amazon. That's how I saw it. Uh, will it hit the theaters? Do we know? Yeah, I think it's going to get a limited release. And then they're hoping that you know it'll do well. It's one of those deals. It's kind of a new thing they're doing now with these indie movies. They'll release limited cities after an after the indie circuit, the film festival circuit, and kind of do it on demand to hopefully get word of mouth. People like us, hopefully going to see it, like it, talk about it, get some word of mouth. So when then it releases a little bit wider, maybe it already has some kind of like a grassroots type thing where we're all talking about it and building it up. Like a cult film sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of like what happened with The Witch. I mean, okay. really, it was the same thing with Witch, and Witch started getting, gaining so much steam from fans that they got some push, that they were actually be able to get some distribution. I think they're hoping the same thing with the invitation. Yeah, I mean, if you look online, this movie supposedly came out in 2015. You, if you you know look see the release dates on it, it goes all the way back to March of last year. I mean, there's multiple festivals and that sort of thing, and so kind of what Brandon, I guess, just said. Now it's finally getting picked up and recognized, and right, whatever. Yeah. It's also available on Vidu or Voodoo or whatever that Voodoo, yeah. thing is called. Yeah. And I mean, I said limited release April 8th. So it, it opened this week, limited cities, I'm sure, you know, New York, LA, Chicago, that type of thing. So there's, that's the invitation. That's why we signed to do it. We just see what all the, uh, what the buzz is about. So Jacob, what did you think about the invitation? Um, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty biased going in because it's a streaming movie. I didn't know hardly anyone in it except for two actors. One of only is in Game of Thrones. Well, I guess Logan Marshall, uh, is it a... Tom Hardy look like yeah. <laughs> Logan Marshall Green. You know, I, I knew him from just Prometheus. So um, it was slow. It was awkward. It was so awkward, and it was over dramatic. And that was my feelings for the first hour and twenty minutes until something finally happened. And when it did, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was fun and it was entertaining. But I think I was so kind of thrown off by the over dramatization of the movie. That 
Is it weirder that we're in close quarters this time? <laughs> we're all sitting next. We had some technical issues, and so we're using one mic this week. So we're all like huddled around Jacob as he's talking. We're like basically sitting in his lap. I think it's freaking him out. He's like really insecure about what he's saying this week. Well, plus I'm talking with my hands, like I'm about to hit you all in the face. So. Um. um. I don't know. I think it was shot really well. I mean, there were times, and I like uh, close-ups on people's faces and that sort of thing. And there were times I felt it was too close too often. But generally, I thought it was shot really well, like the soft backgrounds. It was an eclectic group of actors, right. or, or especially characters, we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was just a very kind of uh, suspicious what's kind of happening or what's going on. And we have a, a group of people who are feel like they're being kind of talked into being a cult. Right. Hey, spoilers, by the way. We do that. Yeah. Yeah. And their friends are trying to react to whether they, they're comfortable with it or whether or not. It seems like none of them are comfortable with it, but yet it still kind of continuously gets pushed on, whether it's being talked about or not. And then Logan, Logan Marshall Green is just kind of like this stone-faced, and there's a whole kind of backstory behind that, but stone-faced character, really the entire movie up until like the last 20 minutes. Right. Uh, the whole part of that is that, you know, Logan Marshall Green and Tammy Blanchard, who are now separated, they were once married, they had a little boy that was killed. I'm guessing two or three years. Anyway, right. all I know is that it's been two years since these friends seen each other. Right. And they all meet up for the first time and they're supposed to be happy or whatever, but it just turned out to be awkward. And that was kind of a lot of my problem. It's like, I, even friends I don't see in two years, and I know it's just a movie and it's acting, but there was just a lot of really forced dialogue, forced reactions, and it just kind of didn't gel for me. It never really took off. I was mostly just waiting for something to happen because I knew it was going to happen at one point. I didn't know what, but... Uh, you know, I, I was pretty bored throughout the movie, but I was also very biased. Because you're it. like, because you're like, oh, this lowly little streaming movie that Steven a, Spielberg. This, yeah. this is this is no the boss. So yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Rachel, what were your overall impressions of the invitation? I had completely different impressions than Jacob had. I actually liked it quite a bit. And yes, it is a streaming movie and it was only picked up in a few theaters. So that does kind of change your expectations for what a film is going to be when you go into it. Uh, but with all the great reviews, I had pretty high expectations of this one. Brandon and I watch about a one horror movie every week and a lot of those end up being like low budget indie movies. So we watch quite a bit of these. So maybe that's why I kind of have a different impression of what a bad Yeah, if Jacob indie thinks this is, is bad. Yeah, we've seen We'll show of you some bad, real bad ones. indie movies. Well, and I was thinking that too like there is some style of acting and just how it was shot that just reminded me of soft porn I used to see on Cinemax. At <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Jacob confessions. <laughs> and wait, why didn't you like it then? Because <laughs> there was no porn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't think it was over dramatized. It is. It is a weird setup, but I think it's a purposely weird setup in that. Yes, these friends haven't seen each other for two years. That, but that's because a dramatic breakup happened between the. Tom Hardy lookalike and his wife where they lost a child and ultimately that led to the breakup of their marriage and her trying to commit suicide. So it was going to be a tense, awkward situation no matter what. So I, I think that's why it was awkward, but it was awkward on purpose. And all of the dialogue around that made sense to me because it's kind of an awkward setup anyway. I did think it was a little weird that they all showed up 
But clearly they were trying to be on good terms. They still cared for each other, even though they had kind of gone in different directions. Um, I thought his new girlfriend was really sweet. Uh, the only issues I really had is that Ben, is that the character? Jay Larson? Not a very good actor. No. Like, yeah, the just overweight a, guy was, it, was a bad Not actor. that the acting in this is like stellar, the best acting you're going to see, but his was not even passable, really. Yeah, his it was, was, I don't it know stood how out as being really well, it was, bad. Yeah, it, he was clearly... A lesser actor than right, everyone else. Right. I don't know. I felt that way about a couple of them. I also felt that way about one of Timmy the gay Blanchard. dudes. I was going to say one of the gay dudes um, wasn't very good. But overall, I thought it was interesting. I wasn't bored with it at all. It wasn't a perfect movie by any means, but for what it is, I thought it was really well done. And we'll get into some of my issues with it later. But overall, I I thought it was pretty good actually. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the imitation. Here is my deal. It's set an atmosphere really well it set a tone and it set this sense of dread and suspense the entire way it's rare that i can watch because i've seen so many horror movies that i can watch one where i truly don't know what's going to happen they usually become predictable they're kind of paint by numbers and you know suspense in most horror movies is scene to scene it's like okay this scene is beginning, oh, at some point somebody's going to jump out, and that's the suspense that's building. For this, it was such a slow burn, which I think a lot of people will think it's boring because of that, because it's so dialogue-heavy. But from the very beginning, little things like Tammy Blanchard's new husband locking a door and and kind of arguing about whether or not the reasons he wants to lock it with Logan Marshall. Also... A couple of people come up to the door and they ask who it is. I mean, like, there's just nuggets throughout the way. Like, it's a slow building suspense the entire way. Like, where is this going? What's happening? And pretty early on, I think Rachel and I both realized, oh, so this is going to be like a cult thing. And I was worried that was going to be the twist. I was like, crap, are we going to sit there an hour and a half? And they're like, oh, we're a cult. But they knocked that out like early on. They let you know it was a cult. So that wasn't the big, you know, twist or whatever. So for me, I enjoyed it. Because despite some of the uneven acting and despite it being pretty talky and I can see how you'd say it was boring, for me, the sense of dread and suspense that it built the entire time, I was into it. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind talky and, and that sort of thing at all. I mean, there's you know, plenty of movies with a lot of dialogue right. that you know that I like. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the characters. Okay, so specifically it's Sadie played by Lindsay Burge and then Pruitt played by John Carroll Lynch. And if you don't know who John Carroll Lynch is, he's kind of like, uh, he's in Zodiac. He's uh, Margie's husband in Fargo. He's Twisty the Clown. Uh, in American Horror Story. Yeah, I saw that picture when I was looking at what other movies he's been in. Like, whoa. Yeah. He was in Little <laughs> Children. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the former cop that, you know, kind of has an attitude now in Little Children. Yeah, for a guy who looks like he doesn't have much range or he could be typecast, he looks like, he seems like he's a pretty decent yeah, actor. Yeah, he's a good actor, yeah. So... It's really what their characters, what were they doing there, you know? And, and that's what made it more awkward. If we had these, this friend get together, like at one point, uh, uh, Mariah Delfino, her character was Claire, leaves, leaves the party. She's kind of weirded out by a video that they showed him, and she decides to leave. And it was, it was little things like that, like I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. If I hadn't seen my friends in two years and they busted out this, this video where someone dies on it, you know, what would I do? And I, 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 don't know, I don't know if I would leave. I don't know if I would. That's what the whole thing just seemed off. I guess I just wouldn't find myself in that situation, period. But I, right. I don't know. 
Why? No comprendo inglés. Thank you. De nada. But don't you guys think this is a little bit weird? Look, well, there is no way that tonight wasn't going to feel a little strange. Or sad. Look, this is just a long overdue reunion between old friends. With a couple of totally wrecking weird Little Mansony. Mansoni and the skinny girls. Hey, I got you. Look at me. Yeah, they're a little weird, but this is LA. They're harmless. Either way, um, but I, it was I, it was these two characters in particular, the Sadie and the Pruitt, where you had constantly Will played by Logan Marshall Green, he kept seeing her, well, yeah, completely nude in the first five minutes of the movie in the hallway. Mm-hmm. No one else sees her, and then she goes back in her room, puts her dress on, and comes back out, and it's kind of this wild, you know, free spirit character. Right. And then he sees her again, like, later, looking in the mirror, and she's making faces in the mirror, you know, by herself in a bedroom or in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he, she, he, gets, he gets caught again, you know, kind of seeing her, and then he moves on. And it was just like, okay, like, what's just what's the point or where's this going or is it is this going to elude like with what what eventually happens later on because she ends up being like a crazy person and then also with Pruitt it's like you know he like this big you know masculine figure and everyone's like okay why is this guy like guarding the door like it's just it was too obvious and that's the thing that some of it was too obvious that these things were going to happen now I didn't know that the bloodshed that was going to happen was going to be that violent right which I didn't have a problem with I just because I didn't have a problem with that but it's, I don't know. I just, we, we knew it was going to hit the fan eventually. It did. I, I don't know. I was just so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say I was bored because I, I did. That, that's it. I, I don't want to say I was bored because I had fun that last 20 minutes. But it was a, such a slow burn building up to it. And I just don't even think it was good dialogue. It was awkward dialogue. And it was unnatural to me. And I know it's, it's a thriller where you put 12 people in a room and, I just think yeah, there's a lot of better conversation to be had. I think because of, I mean, you have these two characters that you're mentioning, Sadie and Pruitt. They were the obvious people who were already in the cult. They were the friends of the the couple that was throwing the party, and Sadie had been living with them. They're obviously been having a threesome, you know, this whole time. They've been swinging or whatever. They made that pretty clear, and then they end up just basically saying it. And she was obviously just a sexual person. And a weirdo, and a cra- I liked her because she kind of represented the the crazy sect of the of the cult type people. You know, because cult type people, you're going to get some kooks. And then I think Pruitt was kind of this figure that you know you hear his backstory about how he basically murdered his wife accidentally, or how, however he may take it, but he did murder his wife, and so he's obviously got some sort of dark past. But he's kind of to me, he used the cult as an excuse to mask and forgive himself for it. Uh, but he's obviously still kind of a dark figure. So to me, those kind of represented like the kooky and the dark parts of, of the cult. And then the couple was like kind of the the goody-goody mask of a cult. That's how I took it. So they're kind of all representing different things. So that didn't bother me. I guess to see what you're saying about the dialogue. But I think because it was all awkward because it was an awkward situation. And I think every person there took it differently. And so I think that's why... I don't know, I didn't really have much of a problem with the dialogue. I mean, there are some times I feel like it was probably forced. But overall, I'm trying to think of some of the examples. Well, I think it's because the movie was trying to make Will look like he was depressed, he was alone, mm-hmm. you know, and so he would go out by himself continuously throughout it. 
Except, you know, he's never talking to anybody. He's just throwing water in his face or staring at people or right. having flashbacks of when he was a happier person. But but still, it just... I would agree. That was probably overdone. It like became he went off very by himself. Uh, mundane. Very... Uh, is that the right word? Yeah, mundane, um, repetitive. Repetitive. Yeah. Um, he did... I will agree. He... he that was probably overdone, like him going off by himself and being secluded. I think he was like – he was the one that felt the most awkward. He, I mean he even at some point you, – you asked what Pruitt and Sadie were doing there. He actually confirmed like what the hell are you guys doing here? What, what's your purpose here? So he's kind of like you know, representing us. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite things about Will is he really didn't make stupid decisions. Um, no, I really like that about him. At some point – like. I can't get into horror or suspense movies where people just make stupid decisions on every point. But <laughs> Will said a lot of the things we were thinking and a lot of the things we were asking. And so I, I really liked that about him, that they made him a smart character. Gun, knife, or banana? Which one do you grab? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get to the – okay, so you find out it's a cult – and there's this mystery about one of the uh, one of the friends, her boyfriend, fiance, whoever it was, uh, hadn't showed up, and he was supposed to be there early. There was a voicemail left. It becomes a pretty intense dinner scene. This is kind of all revolving around like you know they're throwing a dinner party. By the way, uh, be sure to listen to our top five podcast this week where we go over our top five favorite dinner scenes. But so it comes to a point where they're having dinner, and they're like, "Where's Choi?" He left me a voicemail. It becomes a really intense scene. Choi shows up. And at this point, I'm like, man, was all this build up in suspense? Was this all just like a misdirection? And we're just – the whole point of this movie is Will's just paranoid. And like it was all in his head and this Ugh. is actually just fine. I actually had that thought. And I would have been bummed out. Like it would have been a clever trick, but I would have been pissed because of all the build up. Oh, I'd have been – I was already pretty annoyed. But I, I was actually pretty pissed when he does have that meltdown. And then, of course – Choi? Gina's husband walks in after he is talking about like the, the message he left, and it's just it's just too convenient because it sets him up to look the like the bad guy. I agree with the timing of the convenience. Now I'm glad that they didn't waste any time because they needed to get to it. You know, starting to kill people off right after that. Right. But still, it was just like, uh. and of course, when the girl comes in, the. Um, Sadie. Sadie character, and he like throws her like she's all clawing at his face, and he like defends himself and throws her yeah. off him. And I mean, she hits her head. That's unfortunate. And then they all look at him like, "Way to go, Will!" You know, I mean, it just—it just was like. I imagine any stranger who attacked the person I was with, I'd be glad that they threw them off of him. Right. That seems like a common reaction, not like a bad guy thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Well, one. I think it's probably because she was a girl, and he kind of talked. But I mean, she was attacking. Why him. did anyone else grab her? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with that. I did like the payoff. The whole, like, they're all about to drink their glasses of wine or whatever, and he thinks they're poison because he realizes what's going on. But he's, at this point, he's already had to apologize for losing his cool a couple times, and he's made to look like the fool, but he goes out there on the limb one last time and, like, shatters everybody's wine glass, and then Sadie attacks him and says, you're ruining everything. He throws her off, and all the attention is focused over there on Sadie, and, like, oh, my gosh, is she dead? And then you hear she's not breathing. You think you're talking about Sadie, and you're actually talking about Gina because she was the one person that had drank the wine. And they're like, oh, snap. Will was right. Yeah. Something effed up's going on. But Rachel said it. I I do really like how they handled the Will character for the most part throughout the movie, especially after 
Well, right before he has that meltdown scene, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of see he was struggling with some things, struggling seeing his ex-wife with the new guy in the house he used to live in where his right. son died at. Of course, he has the meltdown. I mean, I thought most of his reactions were were seemed normal, seemed right. like, you know, just common sense, I guess. And, and when it came to, like, protecting mm-hmm. either his, his girlfriend or yeah. even his friends that were around. It's amazing how no one would pick up a chair and throw it into a glass window, but whatever. Um, but <laughs> they, they had the bars. bars on they had the bars. Uh, they, and they kept, like, kind of talking about that, I think, purposely. To... <laughs> well, how did Ben get out? How, yeah. did, how did Ben get out and get stabbed in the back? That's true. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think there was a door. You could have thrown it go. through the glass sliding door, and it indicated that that's what Will was about to do until he saw somebody else get killed out on the back lawn. Yeah. So. I mean, but my, my whole point behind that was I do really like how they handle Will's character when it kind of hits the fan. Right. And I won't take that away from him. I mean, there are actually a couple characters they did that with. They did. You know, he says to uh, his girlfriend, Kira, when they're hiding, I don't know if they were in a garage or just in a storage area, he says, hey... They're just people. Let's I like let's that let's, a lot. let's react how we would. Let's let's you know let's, let's defend ourselves yes. and get out of here. I love that because yeah. every other horror movie, everybody's afraid, everybody's scared, and he's like, "No, we can do this." They're just people. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's that never gets talked about. Victims are always victims. And I did like okay, so you know the whole wine thing happens, and then you hear a gunshot, and it kind of all goes to slow motion. And I like the way that scene was shot. I like the payoff there, and kind of because you just kind of see everybody's reaction because you hear the shot, and then just kind of the moment of realization where everybody's like, "Oh, shit! Everything's going down." Like up to this point, everyone except for Will thought he was crazy, and this was just a normal dinner party, and that's where it all turns. I, I really liked how that scene was done. Let me ask you this real quick. I don't understand how Sadie died. Okay, so he threw. He threw her off of him. She hits mm-hmm. her head. She attacks him downstairs, of which he and his girlfriend, Kira, finally get in that storage closet. And when they mm-hmm. sneak back out and they see her lying on the couch, is it just because she's bleeding out from her head wound? Is that how she died? It looked like she was injured somehow in her torso But to they me, never but I can't I, assume, I don't think they ever actually showed it. What I assumed is that she killed herself. Just like uh, the Eden character right. did. Right, right. Okay. Because that was the Which cult. I also was like, What? Well, because the cult's whole point that was That makes to, more sense, though. Well, yeah. and their whole point was to, to end their suffering, like, to basically die to end their suffering, to get, you know, to move on, or whatever. This It was basically drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. And, and this whole, after the, the Kool-Aid slash wine thing doesn't go to plan, the backup plan B was, okay, well, murder however you gotta do it, and kill yourself however you gotta do it. You know, we were going to do it classy-like and sophisticated-like, but now you just got to do what you got to do. That's how I took it. Okay, well, explain to me this then. When they're watching the video of the cult and they have, like, the four people in the room when the person passes away and they're all having a spiritual moment, mm-hmm. okay, that wasn't violent. That wasn't didn't look like it was drugged or, I mean, I don't really know, but it looked like a, hey, you know, we'll be with you when you pass and we'll all be a spirit together or right. something like that. So how come they decided to turn violent and did they get did they get that from this cult? And then I mean, this actually this should carry over into this whole Red Lantern thing. So it's right. like, okay, so is this a cult that started in you know California and around Hollywood, and they all decided to go out to New Mexico and plan there or whatever? I mean, I know that's that's uh, completely wrong and a stretch, but you see my angle I'm getting at. Like, how did they go from being passive to aggressive? I don't think that they were aggressive. They were forced into aggression. That was their plan B. They wanted everybody just to drink the wine and to die. That was the goal, is to bring the people that you care about together. Yes. And once he ruined that plan, it was just like, well, everybody has to die, and I guess we have to do it how... It wasn't... This sounds kind of like 
sadistic or whatever. It wasn't as fun to watch because they were guns and knives, which is like the most obvious way to kill a person. But that made the most logical sense in the film because it was a plan B. I mean, and if you're trying to kill people, the most practical way to kill them would be with guns and knives. And so that's what they resorted to. Right. So I don't think that they were violent. I think that they were a passive cult, but the goal was that everybody had to die. So once plan A was out the window, they just had to kill them however they could. Right. And think back to right before. So poisoning is not passive. Let me get that straight. <laughs> well, I mean, think about like David Koresh, the cool, like right. all the cults that do this Kool Aid thing, and they really think that they're doing. I, I think because it's you know you take the drink and you just kind of die. Like, yeah, it's like taking pills. Like it's right. a it's a easier way to kill somebody than to stab them. Right. Just right. To exactly. have them drink something that poisons them. And and think to right before the wine stuff happened. They, remember they kind of did a toast. And the new husband said to Eden, David said to Eden, all these people love you. You're with people who love you. And they both look kind of like sad and happy and relieved. So it was definitely to me a moment of you're with people that you love, knowing that we're all about to die here. And then, you know, when all the attacking and the bloodshed happens, we see a scene of those two again. And she's like, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to... And he's like, well, we have to now. Remember, like, yeah, she yeah, was down on the ground and she was, like, begging not to. She's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to right. do this. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And then he had to talk her into, like, hey, well, we got to do what we got to do now. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, like I say, when it finally got to the stuff, when it finally started answering some questions, I was entertained. It, it, it took an hour and 20 minutes, though. I hit pause <laughs> to make sure when that first gunshot went off, like how far into the movie we were. And it was uh, an hour 20. Yes. Hour and 19 something. It's not going to be for every. I can see how, and this isn't a, you know, because like you said, you like slow movies and you don't mind. I mean, shoot, you watched Lawrence in Arabia, and I was going to say in 2001, and I can't even sit through that. So I know it's nothing like that. It's definitely a slow burn, and there's some uneven acting, and I can see the awkward stuff because of the situation and and some of the dialogue. But overall, because of the atmosphere and suspense and realistic decisions, it was a cult movie uh, done in a little bit different way. I ended up liking it a lot. Well, I mean... We talk about it all the time about Hollywood casting different new people, and I can't complain about that. So mm-hmm. here, here they are. They're giving me a shot to not complain, and <laughs> what am I doing? Um, so I guess that's why I just kind of I had to remind myself to keep open minded. Sometimes I do want to talk about the Red Lantern part. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna bring that up. Yeah. Okay. That was a lot. What about it, James? And well, I mean, I'm actually with do you. you on. Think, do you think it works? Did it ruin the movie for you? I don't mind like how the, the table, the dinner scene went down and the violent, all that closure happened. But when you did that, you opened all kinds of new doors to ambiguous whatever. And did you like it? You can go first. I liked it. It's kind of horrifying for them to walk out and see that what happened to them is happening. And at least I counted 10 other lanterns just in that one shot. So that were red? That were red. Okay. So it's happening in at least 10 other households just that they can see from where they are. And there's so, all these sir- police sirens and, and screaming, going and on. they're yeah. hearing. So, like, this was a huge mass murder, right. basically, that was going down all at the same time, which is pretty freaky. That's a pretty freaky way to. That's end pretty passive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the leader of the cult was obviously a messed up dude. He was like a David Koresh type. Yeah, it's like and, a Heaven's and, Gate. Type like a Heaven's cult. Gate type, and all these people who are following him. Uh, yeah, Heaven's Gate's the best, you know. Uh, 
and, but all the people are following really believe him and think that they're making the right decision. He's just a sick, twisted nut, and he's got all these followers. I liked it for the effect, and I thought I was like, whoa, that's messed up. Now, it was a little bit with Jacob as far as like it kind of stretched my levels of believability that it would be so mass spread in this concentrated area. Um, but they did kind of talk about how the whole invitation in this thing was kind of sweeping L.A. and L.A. would be more prime for that type right. of thing because they're liberal, new agey type people. So they did kind of cover their bases there. Uh, and I think it started off in, in Mexico because that dude's in Mexico and that's where they found out right. about it. So they're kind of like building them up there and kind of like sending them out. And I guess L.A. is a, an easy target because of the new agey liberals. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if that many people can get on board with Scientology, I'd I'd buy that that many people could jump on board. That's with this a good cult, point. So. That's a good point. Interesting. That's a good point. And that's and it I mean, did we're make looking, for a really good boom. effect. It was and, a good real. It was a really good way to end it. Like, oh dang! And it's we're looking happening. at a hillside. We really have no idea how many homes were out there. We could have been looking at hundreds of homes and seen ten lanterns. That's true. It's that's just a good it point. was dark, so we only saw that's the lanterns. So, yeah, and it was a cool effect. It was maybe a good it was on Mulholland Drive. So that is Pulp Fiction on the invitation. If you've seen the invitation, and hopefully you have because we're going to post this in some invitation uh, forums. If any of you have happened to see it, please give us some feedback. We'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Go to our SoundCloud page or our Facebook page, Pulp Fiction. This part of the show where we talk about what else we've been watching this week. Jacob, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I went and saw Hardcore Henry. Yes. Um, did you go see it after we texted? Uh, I haven't yet. I'm going to be seeing it this week, though. And I'm assuming you haven't, Rach. I have not. All right. So we kind of talked about a little bit at the very beginning of the podcast. Brandon did, anyway, about like this, what it made this weekend. I can tell you right now, there was not one woman. There was not one kid. There was not one older person in my audience. That's hilarious. Um, I mean, I, it is a movie absolutely targeted towards teenage slash college boys. Yeah. That's all it was. was yeah. And so, uh, I mean, it is ultra-violent. I wasn't completely sure, like, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I, yeah, I saw the uh, the trailer for it, but uh, I didn't know it was going to be, like, this rated R. Uh, I mean, I'm talking, like, like cut people's heads off, shoot them in the eyes. Oh, really? Knives right to the, through the necks. I mean, and they're either slow motion or they're close-ups or blood splattering on the uh, on the camera. I mean, some of it, and look, some of it was cool. I mean, some yeah, of it was yeah. fine, fun, and action yeah. and whatever. Hey, look, and I'll give them this. I've never seen anything like it. Right. I've never seen a movie that was filmed like 99% in GoPro. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened And before. so there were some, some really, really fascinating action sequences. Right. There's one in particular, like a, a, like a motorcycle uh, chase scene uh, on a highway. There's, there's a really kind of cool uh, running chase scene that goes on top of a bridge. And uh, what do they call it? Street jumping? Oh, yeah. So the, yeah. the person who, who is Henry, I mean, I'm pretty positive it's a stunt. A stunt uh, person. Right. The only thing that makes sense. This guy is like street jumping up walls and all kinds of amazing stuff. And um, some of those little tricky edits in there too. But it was it was real and it was pretty awesome. Now, uh, one of the highlights, the biggest highlight of this movie is Charlotte, Charlotte Copley. Yeah. Who uh, we know him from District, District 9. 9 yeah. He's also been in a lot of Neil Blomkamp movies. Uh, really, well, I guess District 9. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You know, he's played the bad guy in Elysium. Uh, he played the voice of Chappie. Right. Uh, he's a fun actor and he's really fun in this movie. He uh, plays all types of characters. Hippie. Oh, really? Uh, like Russian. He play, Or I guess, I guess that was a British uh, 
uh, dialogue. But he plays like about five to ten different characters. Really? And there's an I explanation behind of it. I mean, the ideas behind the creation of Hardcore Henry is kind of cool. And so there is some storyline to it that I can deal with. I mean, the whole thing reminds me of a video game. I think that's what most well, people yeah, will identify yeah, it with. Yeah. I really felt like I was sitting on a Sunday afternoon at my buddy's house watching him play a video game. Yeah. And, you know, you always have, like, this side character that's telling you what to do mm-hmm. in video games. And that would be Charlotte Copley because you're always following him around. Uh, and then you yeah. go run and do a quick mission, and then he's on the other side of the room. I don't know if you ever play, like, Call of Duty, but that's, like, right. that all the time. There's always one other guy. It's exactly how this plays out. Uh, the director of it is uh, Ilya Nyshuler. Na- uh, no, no, not going to work Not going to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know he does a lot of Russian... Uh, music videos oh, okay and they're also filmed the same way they're also very violent as well but done with the, the gopro thing mm-hmm. uh, if you actually just uh, youtube some of his uh his videos they're pretty cool but it's it's basically a three-minute version of hardcore henry that's okay. exactly what it gotcha. is so if you don't want to okay. watch an hour and a half of yeah you know first person shooter you can just watch three minutes of it on youtube yeah. so it was it was entertaining it was fun it definitely caters to a very small audience uh, I was a little surprised at the sales, but at the same time... I was surprised. Know. Like I just assumed... Because they've been advertising it and marketing it hard, hardcore. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, you, we've been kind of like pounding it over the head with, with all these ads for it. I really thought... And, you know, it, it got decent reviews, kind of mixed reviews. And uh, it's an action movie. I honestly thought it was going to do pretty well, but it only made $5 million this weekend. For me... I have no problem whatsoever with shaky cam. Like people who complain about shaky cam, never had a problem with it. But this, just watching the trailers, like made me uneasy and drove me crazy. Yeah, it's definitely shaky cam. I mean, it's worse than shaky cam in some places. Yeah. Did you have a problem? Like, did yes. you ever get nauseous? Yeah, and I got so I ate uh, the whole thing of nachos, and then I sat, and that was a little. And then I went and drank the night before as well. So remember some of these things. Uh, if you go watch this movie, don't sit too close to the movie screen. Yeah. You know? Sit a little far back because you have to blink your eyes constantly. There's just so much movement going yeah. on. Uh, you kind of need to like look away and look back just to kind of – it's just – it's a lot to take in. A lot to take in. But again, there's some really, really cool action sequences in it. Yeah, and here's my thing. If it made a lot of money, then I knew that we are going to see a bunch of these first-person GoPro-type movies – so to be honest, since this doesn't appeal to me, I'm kind of glad that it's failing at the box office as to not encourage them to make more of these. But yeah. that's just my own yeah. personal preference. Now, I will say just for the gimmick and the novelty, and it's never been done before, I'm curious to see it. I just don't know if I'm going to sit through the whole thing because it looks like it will drive me crazy. I'm not a big fa- fan of first-person shooters anyways. So No, I, I grew up with a bunch of boys and watched a lot of video games, and first-person shooters are by far the most boring ones to watch. They're probably great to play, I love yeah. them. <laughs> but I don't like watching other people play them, so I can't imagine I would want to watch a full movie of that happening. Yeah. But, who, who was the director of Snatch? Is it McGee? Not McGee. It's, uh, oh, no, it's Guy... Uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. No, no that's Guy the Ritchie. actor. Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie. Yeah. Uh, there are things in this remind me of Guy Ritchie, too. So, like, you know, gimmicky, certain mm-hmm. kind of fast pace whatever so you know this could just be a, a gimmick or we might see one more who knows yeah uh, they certainly left it wide open for that and that's not a spoiler i mean right you can do anything with this kind of movie anyway yeah. uh i'm gonna completely switch it up from going from hardcore henry over to did y'all ever heard of or see in the commercials the hatfields and mccoy that the history channel ran oh yeah uh, wasn't that kevin ago? costner in it right kevin costner yeah and, i've heard um, good things about it actually i've actually seen it a couple times but i decided to watch it again this last week because i've been on this history run 
Oh uh, yeah, and um, Bill Bill Paxton, Paxton is the yeah. other main character, main actor. I can't remember if it was uh, Paxton well, or Pullman. Okay, Kevin Costner, Bill Paxton, and Tom Berenger. Uh, you also Tom Berenger. Yeah, oh, he's great in it. He's really, a, yeah, he's a good villain. Uh, Powers Booth is in it. He's a pretty cool role. There's some. There's a couple like people who really roll out for it. Um, and Dude, I haven't seen Tom Berenger since Major League <laughs> Two. Uh, so <laughs> it's the historical story of uh, two families that feuded. Um, between Kentucky and West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I didn't really do my research. I'm assuming a lot of it follows historical facts since the History Channel is who ran it. And it's a lot of fun. It's a three-part series. You can find it on Netflix. Uh, and it's, you know, there's some corny kind of acting that goes on here and there. But there's also some, it's fun to see Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton play these roles. And look, it's not a happy ending, uh, especially to the two main characters. I mean, because this goes on over the seri- over, over decades. You know, it's after the Civil War. I think two and a half decades in the end, but you see like the meltdown or like the age get to them and, or like the loss. I mean, because of family members constantly getting killed and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, I won't say fun to watch, but you know, as far as history goes and Westerns and shoot 'em ups and it's, 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 it was entertaining. So if you are ever in the mood to watch that kind of a thing, it's a good one. Well, and the director is Kevin Reynolds, who did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld, Waterworld with mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin Costner did Waterworld. Uh, I don't think he directed it. I think he was just in it, right? Yeah, uh, Kevin Reynolds directed it. Kevin Costner was just in it. I'll back off. <laughs> uh, they also did Count of Monte Cristo and uh, yeah, some Risen. Decent, some yeah. decent movies. Yeah, no, I've I've heard really good things about Hatfields and McCoys, so it's it's worth worth oh, watching. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, I mean, there. Uh, I they, might give that a shot. Each episode's about an hour, hour and a half long. So and how many did you say there were? There's only three. Okay. Yeah. I actually may legitimately give that a shot. Yeah, it's, I it's actually fun. forgot that existed, but I heard it was really good. It, like I said, I've, this is the second time I've watched it, um, and it's great. Tom Berenger is a good bad guy. Really? Yeah, there's several characters in here. Another character in particular is Andrew Howard, who plays Bad Frank Phillips. He's a pretty cool character as well. That is cool. Oh, Powers Booth is in it, too. Yeah, I said that. I, I was reading while I... Cause, That's yeah, all right. Yeah. He's, a, he's actually like a noble kind of... Uh, character uh, he's that's, a judge that's that's curly bill and tombstone i know oh, nice <laughs> how the hell are you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my best pirate <laughs> uh rachel what have you been watching this week a clockwork orange was actually back in theaters and i went and saw that yeah but you've seen it before i have seen it before but it's been a minute and i remember not being super impressed with it, like being kind of disappointed because this is such a you can leave a legendary movie. <laughs> and rewatching it, I appreciated it more, but I still wouldn't say that I like a Clockwork Orange. I love a Clockwork Orange. Really? Yes, it's I just, so cool. Uh, Which I, I mean, know it wasn't very well received back in the day because of the rape scene. Well, there's a lot of things about it that were way ahead of its time. I mean, this yes. came out in '71. There's a lot about it that was way ahead of its time. But I guess my problem comes in with the character of Alex. Yeah. Am I <laughs> am I supposed to start feeling bad for this person at any point? Because I don't. I only want bad things for him yeah. throughout the entire movie. Yeah. He's a sociopath. Yes, he is. Yeah. But he's so he's so twisted, and they think they can brainwash him. And then in the end, I love the closing scene. To I do love the orange. closing scene. It the, was good yeah. because you're like, what? But I mean, everyone clapping while he's on the bed. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, well, and how he says he's cured, but what he means is he's cured from being cured. Right. That's how I take it. Is that how you take it? Yeah, uh, I take it that that he's going to go back to his 
oh. his evil ways. Yeah, I mean, the whole scene with him sitting in the bed and the doctor, uh, the uh, I guess, is it the doctor? It comes in and he's the minister. The minister. Yeah. And he's feeding him and he's all smacking him like, yeah, that oh, was, you know, that's, I love that. Did you know that him popping his mouth open, all hilarious like, was just improvised? Because they'd done, you know, Kubrick is notorious for doing so many takes because he's a perfectionist. So oh. they'd done so many takes and. Uh, Malcolm McDowell just sensed that everybody on set was getting bored so he just started having fun with it and it cracked Kubrick up so he left it in oh that's awesome I did not know that you know look I think the first third of A Clockwork Orange is amazing I think the middle third and that deals with you know the rape um, that's kind of rough I don't really mind the the prison part so much but then when it gets down to where where, uh, he is getting maybe he's coming out of being whenever he he never was good so obviously the getting fed in the bed he was brainwashed and, but he wasn't i mean not brainwashed he was physically altered basically yeah people could think that's right so the last third is the prison and then you know yeah so people might think that's boring because it's more toned down colors you know when you think about the first third of the movie you got the purple and the whites and going in and out of the uh oh the i guess if you want to call it a bar with the milk bar <laughs> yeah uh you know and then you have this dramatic change where it's like all grayed out and he's in prison i could see that as being boring or whatever because yeah he's kind of being tortured but the guy who tortured people so right you know he's a guy who tortured people now he's getting tortured getting what he deserves but I love, I love Clockwork Orange, and I know I just completely stole Rachel's thunder. No, I, I mean, I can see why you would love it's It's really well made and really well acted, of course, but it's hard to watch. It just is. It's a, to me, it's a hard to watch movie because it's about such icky things and yeah. such an icky person that yeah. I kind of just hated through and through and only wanted bad things for. What do you and think of the music in he it? He wins. I mean, the music's great. I mean, it's class. It's all the Beethoven yeah. and versus man. the. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's a there's a lot of good things about Clockwork Orange, and I understand why it has its place in in film history and all that kind of stuff. But it's not an easy watch, and it would be hard for me to say like I really like a Clockwork Orange. Some of the uh, elements of that movie just kind of tie into the time period. So this is you know 1971. You had a, a Midnight Cowboy that came out. Uh, you know, one best picture I believe in '69. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, you had. Easy Rider that yeah. was uh, around that period and they had, yeah. so there's kind of like that trippy psychedelic right. type movies you had the synthesizer which yeah, is really coming on yeah, so you hear a lot of that in those movies I do love the music um, in Clockwork Orange and so it's just kind of funny like how some of those movies were executed in that time period yeah, yeah. always something to remember which is crazy because when did 2001 come out like a year or so. 68? I think it was 68. Okay, so completely opposite of what I just said. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just Kubrick. For you me. know something I didn't realize until I watched it the other day? Was that it's supposed to take place in the future. Did you realize that? Oh, I forgot about Orange? that. I, I didn't uh, yeah. realize that on my previous watches of A Clockwork Orange. I only realized that this time. You know, because it's filmed in 71, but it's supposed to take... He's driving a 95 car. They talk about his 95 car, so it's supposed to take place in the future. I forgot about it. Yeah. And there's just something thrown out there. Didn't realize. Uh, So so overall, would you give Clockwork Orange a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I'd give it a thumbs up. I think people need to see it. It's just, it's kind of hard to watch. With their eyes... Pride open. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's that's a hard, hard to watch. That's the hardest scene for me to watch. Even <laughs> over the rape scene, that scene is so hard to watch. And uh, I also learned that um, he actually had his 
eyes uh, scratched a little bit during that. I would imagine. Yeah. So. Or if you just really want to look at penises and boobs and vaginas, that's your movie. Let's be honest. That's why Jacob likes it so much. It's true. Uh, the movie I want to talk about that it's I watched... not that late night Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched a movie called Hello, My Name is Doris, uh, starring Sally Field. And I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. Uh, I saw it because it's an indie movie that's getting good reviews. And I was like, it looks like a fun little cute movie. And that's exactly what it was. It's, it's, uh, it's quirky, funny... It's got good drama. See the it's kind of sad. What's the tagline? She's not ready to act her age. Yeah, okay, so Sally Phil basically plays this lady who works... She, there's a new hire, a new art director played by Max Greenfield, who's like in his 30s, mid-30s. He's the guy that plays Schmidt in A New Girl, Love him. the TV show. Yeah, he's really hilarious in New Girl. He's also been in other things recently, like uh, he was in The Big Short. He had a small part in there. Anyways... Sally Field gets a crush on him and wants to start hanging out with them. And they kind of become friends and they start going out. And you're like, well, is this going to be an actual love story? It's a comedy, kind of a drama. And Sally Field is fantastic in this. It's coming out in April, so I don't know if she'll get nominated for an Oscar. Because typically the Oscar movies come out October, November, December. And this may be forgotten about. But I'll say this. I looked at all the Best Actress nominees from last year, and I would only say Saoirse Ronan and uh, Brie Larson from last year were better than Sally Field was in Hello, My Name is Doris. She was really, really great. She was funny, quirky, weird, sad, sweet. It's a really good movie. Cool story, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, Sally Field's good. Sally Fields, but the movie's good too. It's it's a funny movie and it's a it's it's a feel good sad movie. I always go back and forth on Sally Ray, but I did always like her in Norma Ray. Sally Field. Sally, Sally Field. Field. What I yeah, say? Sally, Sally Ray. Ray. Yeah. And you liked her in Norma Ray? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, she was good in Norma Ray. I mean, she's <laughs> you know she's such a well respected actress. I wouldn't say she's always great. She's kind of does her thing. But this is completely in her wheelhouse. And she hasn't done much lately. She was in Lincoln. She was both in... And she was mm-hmm. Aunt May in both the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And But before that, it had been a while since she'd done anything. Of course, you know, in the 90s, she did a lot of things like Forrest Gump. But she hadn't been anything in a while. Besides Lincoln and the Spider-Mans, right? Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, check that movie out. It's it's worth a watch. And she is 69 years old, and she looks fantastic for yeah. 69. You were telling that story, and I was looking up her age, and then uh, the other actor's age, uh, Max Greenfield, who's 35. Yeah. So, so that would be a, like a tough sell, or I don't know, maybe for interesting. Well, I will say this. Or it's awkward. realistic. His, his reactions to all of it are very realistic. And you as an audience member, you don't know the entire time whether he's really into her or thinks she's a sweet old like grandma. Got you it. can't really tell. You go back and forth like, oh, maybe he likes her. Oh, no, he just thinks she's a sweet old lady. And you don't know until the third act how he truly feels. Because she eventually, you know, kind of tries to make a move. And they always do. Yeah. So, but it's it's a really, really good movie. Go see Hello, My Name is Doris. This is Pulp Fliction. Be sure to listen to our other podcast, our top five episode, where we count down in honor of The Invitation, which we reviewed our top five dinner scenes from movies.